Breaking It Down with Frank McKay. This is 1039 LI News Radio. I'd like to welcome everyone to Breaking It Down. Frank McKay here. So much more importantly, our part six of our continuing series with uh, an extraordinary educator, someone who has uh, has made a career out of out of excellence and bringing the best out of her students and brought uh, she she has brought so much to uh, the communities that she taught in whether it was through coaching uh, through mathematics and, uh, and just a, a general education Darlene Cunahan is our very special guest Darlene how are you I'm good. How are you today? I'm I'm doing well, and we've spent so much time, you and I, talking about the work that you've done in the in the classroom. What, one of the things, and and you mentioned Neil Armstrong's, uh, I, I believe, son, right? Was uh, was your student, and you know we've never gotten into, and again, not that we want to get into the privacy of of different people specifically, but uh, the the role. Of, of away from the classroom, what people take out of the classroom and and do with uh, with their home studies, uh, what the parents contribute to uh, to the students, uh, what they take and run with. Uh, what can you say about that? For, first of all, uh, mention if you would. You had Neil Armstrong's uh, son, I believe it was. Uh, what what was that experience like? Well, that was in the first school where I taught. So, um, you know, I, I met him during that time once, that's all. But, you know, it was a very, for the most part, affluent area. So uh, the parents were very supportive. I, I think that in the few years that I was there, I only had one or two students where I really had trouble getting them to do their homework and study. So I was very appreciative of that, but I also had some students who themselves, you know, were extraordinary outside the classroom. Like one of the females I taught was a national ping pong champion, and one of the guys that I taught was um, very good with, uh, oh, what do you call them, not canoes, but... Uh, Kayaks, right? Kayaks. Yeah, yeah, he was really good in in, in, in competitions with kayaks. So anyway, um, the parents in, in Cabin John Junior High, almost all of them were very wonderful and supportive, except for this one guy who claimed that I was teaching incorrect math, and I had to meet with him, and he argued with me because he was a CPA and thought he knew it all, but he didn't, and he... I think I may have mentioned that. You know, I had a conference with him. I explained to him why what he was saying wasn't right. I went and got a couple of textbooks and took it back to the conference to show him in there. Um, and and he just insisted I was wrong. So I finally said, well, I guess we're finished then. And I got up and I left. Yeah, and to it, me, to, you know, not And to he me. went to see the principal. And the principal told him if I said he was wrong, he was wrong. Yeah, right. The principal <laughs> backed you up. I, look, let me let me just ask you about that. And, you know, it, look at it in the broad picture, in the big picture. For a parent, and I'm a parent of four kids, I've even homeschooled uh, two of my kids. 
but I have the greatest deal of respect for the educators that are that are there, and obviously some are better than the other. Others, uh, but the last thing in the world I'm going to do is is tell my kids' teachers how to do their jobs. I assume they're gonna they're not gonna tell me how to do my job. And I'm not going to tell them how to do their jobs. Uh, it takes a lot of gall, a lot of a lot of nerve. I don't care if you're, you know, Euclid, uh, Euclid in modern age, um, to go in and tell a teacher that uh, that she's teaching math the wrong way. That 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 takes a lot of nerve, and uh, and I mean that in the most negative sense. Yeah. <laughs> Although I, I suspect that there may be times when it might be uh, appropriate to question a teacher about something. Not all teachers are perfect. I'm not perfect. But the biggest problem I had in the first school was initially because I was a rather demanding teacher with very high expectations. Uh, a lot of the kids in seventh grade had never really had to learn to study much or how to study for math tests or take notes and things like that. And I had to teach them that. So in the beginning, some of them were not doing as well as, you know, they weren't getting their A's like they normally would get in elementary school. So, you know, some of them, the parents may have thought that uh, it was my fault. But it wasn't my fault, <laughs> you know. And but I taught them their taking skills and study skills and time management skills, so they could be successful not just in my classroom, but in future ones as well. One of my goals was to make sure that if a student went to the next course, if if they couldn't do something or understand something that they should have learned from me. I wanted to make sure that would not, never happen. Yeah. And that's what I did. <laughs> Let me remind folks who they're listening to. Darlene Cunahan is an award-winning educator and coach and, uh, and mathematician. And what a career she's had. Uh, excellence has been a catchphrase uh, with her, or a catchword, I should say, a, a keyword in her classroom. And in the schools, and you know, she has uh, been the head of departments in uh, in in situations where she's had eleven uh, other educators under her. Uh, just amazing, uh, Darlene Cunahan. Uh, just an amazing career. Uh, we're talking about that, hoping uh, to influence some of the young educators out there and the and the folks that are that are in the middle of their education. Frank McKay here, much more importantly, Darlene Cunahan is our very special guest. Uh, the the role of the parent in the child's education, uh, again, you know, this to me is an inappropriate uh, use of a parent's uh, influence or time to go in and say, hey, you're teaching something wrong. Uh, that to me, I just... Uh, I would never do, and I'm someone who's who you know who's homeschooled, and you know I have my opinions just like everyone. But uh, I never would have the gall to tell a teacher that he or she was doing something wrong, especially someone like you, <laughs> someone who's uh, who has the uh, the the capability of teaching the way you did. Uh, for the most part, uh, what what should a parent? What's the least a parent should be doing at home with the work that you're giving the the student? 
um, obviously overseeing, making sure the student is is delivering, is is motivating themselves to get the work d- done. But what's the least the parent should be doing? Well, I, w- I would hope they would also be assisting their kids with time management to make sure they can, you know, fit things in and don't let things pile up. And one of the reasons I gave a quiz at the beginning of class almost every day was so that they would study a little bit as we went through the unit instead of waiting till the end of a unit and then have to spend hours studying for a test. The other thing is, of course, it'd be nice if they took a look at what their children do for homework and to make sure that they know what their homework is and 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 has done it each night and if for some reason couldn't do part of it that he or she would get assistance either from someone at home or or come to me or their other math teacher or any subject teacher for that matter and there have been very few times when i had an experience with a parent who said they just couldn't get the child to work at home and I don't know if I mentioned what I did at uh, my first school when I had a child like that. I mean, that would have been in our first session, but I could briefly repeat what what I did. I, I went and talked to all of his other teachers to see what he was doing in those classes. And except for the PE class, which he really loved, he wasn't doing any homework for anybody. And I had contacted the, pay, the parents, and they said they didn't know what to do. They couldn't get them to do it either. So I, I, I find ways to solve problems, and, and, way, and I do things that most other people probably would never even think of doing. So this is what I did. I had him in my first period class. And I talked with all these other teachers, and they all agreed to, to help me do this the way I wanted to do it. So he came in the morning, and once again, he didn't have the homework done. He would pay attention in class and sometimes participate, but he never, ever did the homework. So some of his uh, quiz scores were not the best. And this was really early, like early in the first grading period. I, I got all the other teachers of his to agree that when starting with the second period teacher, that when he went to second period, the teacher would already have a note written with my name on it and a sealed envelope and ask him to please take it to me and not to go back to that teacher's class until I gave him a note to take back to him or her. So that's what it did. So he went to second period and the teacher gave him the paper. He came back to me and I had a class then but I opened the paper and showed it to him, and it said that I should keep him in my classroom and have him work, start working on the assignments he had never done. So at the end of the, and he did. And at the end of the class, he went to his third period teacher, and guess what happened? The same thing. That teacher handed him an envelope with my name on it, and he came, and he, he said, I guess you don't have to show me the note. It says the same thing, doesn't it? And I said, well, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yeah. So we go to the back of the room and start working on, you know, other things that you haven't made up yet. 
And then at the end of that class, he said, do I even need to go to my third period class? I get the message. I'm going to have to come back here, right? I said, yes. <laughs> so he stayed with me all day. And at the end of the day, he said, look, if I make up all this back work, well, I'll be allowed to go to my other classes then. So he really wanted to go to his PE class. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I said, well, yes, they'd be fine with me, but I, maybe your other teachers might get upset if you haven't been doing your homework in those classes, too. So he made up all my work, and then guess what? Then we started with his second period teacher, and, and that teacher... You know, he'd come to my first period class, and I'd hand him an envelope to take to his second period teacher when he left. I mean, so, you know, so many... Uh, I mean, I mean she, you know, so we would send him to the next second and on down the line. So he eventually started working for all of us. Yeah, it's, ter it's terrific. I mean, it's, it's being proactive with uh, a kid that, um, you know, that, that needed it. That's what, uh, you know, certain kids don't need that. Certain kids are self-motivated. Uh, but this individual, this student, uh, certainly needed it. Frank McKay here with Darlene Cunahan. Um, and Darlene, I, you know, so many, you, you hear so many stories about uh, everyone from Einstein to, to Edison to Henry Ford. And as far as formal education went, uh, they, were, they were terrible students. And you know these were all those three that I mentioned were geniuses. I mean those were those were tremendous students. Have you run across students who who just weren't weren't great at being students, but they they had the ability and they went on to do things um, later on in life? Do you did you have students that that just were you know motivated in other situations and it was outside of the classroom? Well, yeah, I mean, every teacher, if you teach long enough, you're going to have students like that. Uh, and how you deal with them depends on the individual involved. I, uh, in one school, I had this one boy in particular that was really upset with not doing better on tests than he had done in my classroom. He'd never had a teacher as challenging as I was and he was used to getting really good grades without having to do much work and he got his first big test back and didn't do well on it. He, he hadn't failed it but he had like a, a low C or something and that was really upsetting for him and um, and I could tell that when he was in, my, in class before he left so I called him at home that night and I spent close to an hour on the phone with him talking about improvements that he could make in his study skills so that that wouldn't keep happening. And he later told me that that was, he was, he was so impressed that I would spend that much time on the phone talking with him to try to give him suggestions on how to improve that. He'd never heard of a teacher calling someone at home and talking to them like that for so long. And that he, he really got the message that I cared about him and his success. And he changed almost overnight. So that was pretty amazing. Yeah.
and it's just it's wonderful, and it's a, a wonderful tribute to you that uh, that you do that. Uh, let me ask you uh, about some of the other instructors, and and again, you know, you've said good things about uh, you know your colleagues for for the most part, but I mean, we uh, we know there's there are teachers that are burnt out that that are, are just there collecting a paycheck. I, I mean, uh, have you ever had interactions with uh, with teachers that you felt weren't uh, weren't motivated and weren't taking their job seriously? Um, have you ever approached any of the uh, you know any of those individuals and give them your opinion? Well, when I was an as resource teacher, it was part of my job to observe them and make suggestions. So yes, uh, in the first school where I was a resource teacher. Um, and that was, I was all of what, 25 or 26, and they, all the people in the department were older and more experienced than I was. But there was this, one of the things I did before school started that year was I went and I looked at all the, the math materials that, before school started, the math materials that were in the department, and there they just weren't even class sets of certain things, like compasses and straight edges and other teaching supplies and I went in and I looked at what the previous math resource teachers had ordered over the years and I was astounded to find out that there should have been several class sets and there wasn't even one for those things and so of course I ordered them and and one of the first things I did with the department was ask you why why do we have so few materials because there have been ordered some of them every year and there still aren't enough here and and they said something like well the kids use them in class and then they don't turn them back in when they leave and i said well okay that's simple that's a simple thing to take care of here's what you do you personally walk around the room and you put one down on each student's desk and at the end you go around the room and you pick up one from each student even if they have their own you give them one you know, so that's a simple thing. I also went to the principal and got him to locate for me a metal, a kind of big metal cabinet, you know, like five, six feet tall and three feet wide or so, so and a lock so I could put all the supplies in the cabinet and lock them up. And if, if the teachers wanted to use class sets of anything, they just needed to let me know at least one day in advance and, I, and how many they need, and I would count them all out and have them on their desk when they came in the next morning. And then I would count them when they gave them back to me. You know, and that solved the problem. So, uh, you know, and I think I may have mentioned when I was in that school, because I come from the other side of the county with, in that school with a lot of the fluent parents that when I'd make suggestions in terms of teaching suggestions, they would say something like, that won't work here. Yeah. <laughs> and that was a problem because that was part of my job. And, and I understood they were, had more experience than I did, but I wouldn't have that position if, if I wasn't a good teacher and didn't know how to make good suggestions. And I wasn't trying to make them all be little Miss hands either. In retrospect, it would have been nice if they were all little Miss Cooney hands. But... <laughs> <laughs> uh, perhaps. 
But maybe maybe I wouldn't have stood out as much if they were all little Miss Tuna hands. At least, you know, I, I don't know how or why, but I, I just, teaching was something I always wanted to do, and I was good at it from the very beginning. Yeah, even as a student teacher, I don't know if I mentioned to you, when I had my student teaching in Frederick at this local uh, junior high, the head of, and the head of the department was my cooperating teacher. Yeah. He told me before I started that I would only be able to, to teach certain classes of his, that there were two I wouldn't be allowed to teach because it was like new material not taught in junior highs before, and he had to take class and then observe another person teach it for a year before they would let him teach it. And I said, oh, okay. <laughs> but, you know, and I started teaching, you know, the next day. And uh, in my very first class, when I told the kids they were going to have a quiz at the beginning of class the next day, uh, somebody said, you can't do that. Mr. Moffat doesn't do that. And I said, well, he's not your teacher now. I am. And they all turned, he was in the back of the room, and they all turned around and looked at him, and he just put his head down and didn't say a word. <laughs> After my third day of student teaching, you know, we met after school every day to go over some things. And after my third, for third day teaching, he said, I got, the, I got the administrators to agree to let you teach one of those two classes I told you you couldn't teach. I'll teach the one in the morning and you can teach the one in the afternoon. And the reason that he did that was I was interested in knowing, you know, more about that program that he was teaching. And the kids' textbooks were like paperback books, eight and a half by 11 size, but bound. And I was glancing through, through there and I... When I saw some of the things, they were not new to me. I had studied them before, but he probably never did when he was in college because it had been some time. And I had taken some of the stuff in a graduate course, although not at the same level as what they were doing. And I mentioned to him that when he was teaching this one thing the previous day that it was what he taught was sort of misleading and not exactly correct. And it could be confusing for kids. And I explained to him why. And and then that's when the next day he told me I could start teaching the other class. He figured out that I knew a lot of the content that was going to be in there. And I was doing a good job as a teacher. So he had confidence in me. Plus I was going to see him teach it early in the day. And it was really neat when, you know, one day when he's teaching, uh, a student raises a question about something he had done the way before, day before. And when he re-explained it, he did it the way I did it instead of going back over it the same way he had done it the previous day. You know, one of the things I'd always try to think about as a teacher when I was going to be teaching something that the students have never probably ever seen before is... If I was a student, what questions would I ask? And I would make, try to make sure that I address those, or I would ask the kids in the class such questions. So anyway, uh, 
So not all teachers are good. Let me tell you one other thing that happened in that school when I was there. One year I had this student in my first period of class I'd never met. He never ever came. And when I checked in the main office, they told me he always arrives at school at the beginning of third period. And I had him first period. I said, oh, well, what am I supposed to do? And they said, well, there's a real problem getting him here to the school, the principal, all kinds of people talk to his parents about it, and nothing changes. So guess what? On the day they get their report cards, the student comes to see me after school because he was upset. And I didn't believe this. And he said, Miss Gunnigan, I don't understand. You gave me an E. The school system has E's, not F's, if you fail. He said, you gave me an E. I don't understand why you would do that. And I said, I had no choice. You never even came once. You didn't learn anything in here. <laughs> and he said, well, I've never been to second period either, and i got to be in there. <laughs> Isn't that interesting? Yeah. I, and then the next school I went to uh, it was a different kind of school than the second one, where the second school in Tacoma Park was a very diverse community, kids of all different backgrounds, uh, a lot of immigrants and their kids. Uh, in most families, both the mother and the father would be working. Uh, and overall, I'd say, generally speaking, the standards in the school were not not as high as I would have hoped they would have been. And one of the things I did was help change the standards, at least in the math department. And I think I mentioned once before that besides getting them all to give me the worst kids and putting them all in the classroom at the same time, and I taught it, and then and the principal, at my request, the principal made them come observe me twice. And that solved my problem. Nobody ever said it wouldn't work in that school because they could see the kids coming on time, paying attention, had their homework done. Oh, and in, in that class, I gave the quiz at the end of the period instead of the beginning of the period to help make them uh, pay more attention in class so they would do well on the quiz for that day. At, at, at any rate, uh, in one of my classes in that second school, there was a school-wide contest for improving, improving the looks of the school. Basically, you know, getting stuff off walls, no trash thrown around on floors. And there was a contest, and then the class that was the, the winning class was going to win a trip to go down in D.C. on a new subway system that before it ever opened to the public and have lunch with the Redskins football team. Oh, wow. And my class, one of my classes won. Jeez. Wow. Because I took, I took time out in the class and had them brainstorm and make lists of things that they could do and they were willing to do. And they did things like cleaned up the bathrooms where kids had, would have, had written on walls, even sanded places where they'd etched it into the metal. And then the building services staff would repaint the metal that was messed up in there. They started picking up stuff in hallways when they'd see something, or if they saw somebody else in the hallway, 
throw something down, they would actually ask the student to pick it up and put it in the trash. They made signs that were posted on the wall where the trash cans were. They'd say, please put your trash here. You know, so there's a whole lot of little things that they did, and it really made a difference, and they won. Uh, anyway, so at my next school, I had some, uh, that's the one where I had a, 11 teachers and a, and a teacher aide under me. And uh, I had some challenges at that school. Uh, one teacher there wasn't a math major. In fact, he never taught math. He was a music teacher that got surplus from another school and was assigned to my school. And he wasn't a very good teacher, period. And he he had a first period class and he came late a lot of the time and I didn't have a first period class. So I was the one that was teaching the first part of their class almost every day because he was coming late. You know, and I had to observe him and I did and I'd make suggestions to him. but. I would point out, you know, what he did well and what he needed to do to improve. And one of the main things was getting to school on time. <laughs> he didn't do that real well. But what was amazing was at the end of the year when he had to have his evaluation for the year with the principal, he asked me to go with him to his evaluation. You know, and I said, Are you sure you want me to go? <laughs> you know, the, the principal has a copy of all of our conferences and the suggestions that I made. And, and he knows that I know that, you know, you didn't come to school all the time. And I didn't particularly like that because I had to keep using my time to go in there and teach your class almost every day for part of the period. He said, well, yeah, I know. But you also said the things I did that were, were good things to do. So I'd like you to be there. So I had another student, another teacher who was a brand new teacher to the profession. And he was a young, handsome guy, and kids liked him. And he, he was pretty good at explaining things and answering questions, but he had a major problem. What was that? He, he refused to do anything to discipline the kids. And they were doing all kinds of things in his classroom they shouldn't be doing. He wanted to be like, loved. Yeah, he was like, the kids were, I mean, it was terrible. They would leave the classroom a mess, and other another teacher had to come into the room when he wasn't in there to teach in that same room. He would, kids would, like, do spitballs, including with straws and getting them stuck on the ceiling, uh, leaving their desk all out of the arrangement they should be in having paper and trash on the floor. Yeah. And, you know, and I kept talking to him about those things and he just was, he said, I don't feel comfortable disciplining kids. And I said, well, if, if you don't learn to do that, I suggest that you change professions because teachers need to keep kids, you know, under control where they're not damaging the ceiling in the room and leaving trash and a mess on the floor, you know. And, and he was, at the end of class, if he was not going to be in that classroom the very next time, he'd stay and he'd go around the room and straighten up all the desks. But he wouldn't ask them to do that before they left. 
So yeah, he did decide to change professions. Yeah. So I mean, you know, you've got a discipline, right? Yeah, I I, I know. It's like, and that's the same school where I had to get the teachers to uh, increase their speed because they weren't covering all the units in the courses that they were supposed to cover and kids would go to the high school with an insufficient background and had a terrible time trying to get through the next course because they had so many things that they hadn't learned that were prerequisites. And, and of all the people in the department, all but one of them doubled their speed like I asked them to for one month and discovered they were happier the best students were happier. Some of the ones that were mediocre before started being happier and doing better. And the ones that were not doing well got worse. But the ones that weren't doing well, for the most part, almost without exception, should never have been in that course in the first place. Uh, so I had to get them to change the way they were making recommendations for the next course. And uh, I happened to have one of those, uh, teaching one of those algebra courses also. And um, I, I could tell first day in there that there were probably kids in there that shouldn't have been in there. So we had to change a bunch of schedules for some kids and reduce the number of algebra classes in each grade and create a new class of pre-algebra that year. The other interesting thing that happened to me in that school was the, there, the, there was a person in my department who had applied for the math resource position besides me who wanted that position and thought he was going to get the position, but the principal hired me instead. And not only was he in the department and was upset about me coming there, his fiance was also in the department. So it was interesting, but we got along well, okay. But both of them uh, decided to transfer to some other school at the end of the year. And I understood that, and I was fine with that. Oh, listen, at the end of the day, when you look back, uh, it's no matter how you slice it, it's it's been nothing but success and excellence. Uh, Darlene Cunahan, uh, once again, is uh, has been our very special guest. Uh, part six in a series on her career and what we hope is uh, we hope that uh, that educators, young educators, students, uh, parents are listening to this and uh, and will take what they uh, what they uh, can get out of this situation and uh, and and learn from it. Darlene, I want to thank you again and congratulate you on all the success, all the awards, and I can't wait to talk to you for part seven. Oh, our time's up all right already. Yeah, it goes quick. Oh my now. gracious! Well, uh, listen, it's uh, I I feel like one of your students. I learned so much uh, when we're when I'm in session with you, uh, Darlene Cunahan. Thank you very much for being here. Can I say one more thing, please? please? Yeah, please. At, at, at that school, one of the things I did was I had read about someplace somewhere in the country where, where a school had had 
what they call the metric Olympics. So I decided that we would have one too, school wide. Uh, so for one whole day, and I got the other staff members to assist with it. But you talk about parent support. I got a bunch of parent support where, where they came in for parents would come in for part of the day, a few of them the whole day to also help out there because we needed people to supervise all kinds of groups of kids competing in different events that were going on at different times out on the field. So anyway, there was a lot of parent support with, with that kind of thing too. Yeah, I would have been thrilled. At any rate. My wife and I would have been thrilled to have you as a teacher. We had some good teachers. There's no question about it. Uh, but you, Oh, we have some excellent ones in the county where I work. It, it, overall, it was one of the, the best school systems probably in the country. Uh, listen, and you, uh, you know. I mean, for a public school, you know. Yeah, well, and look, uh, the private schools, it's hard to compete with, but I'll take some, I'll take some public schools, uh, the way they're run, over some private schools any day. Uh, it, it depends on the, uh, on the individual, the talent there. And, and again, the lady we've been speaking with, we, uh, we urge everyone to listen to uh, to all six of our shows here, binge listen to everything that we've done here. It just she's just absolutely outstanding. She has awards and accolades everywhere you look. Frank McKay signing off. Darlene Cunahan has been our very special guest. Listen to them all, everyone, and we'll see you next week on Breaking It Down with more from Darlene Cunahan. <laughs>